1: afternoon and welcome everybody this would be the jeff cameron show right here on 93.3 real talk radio and war chant tv great to be with you appreciate you joining us a fine balls wednesday to you and yours i'm jeff that's tom director matthew in the house as well whole gang here today that's a good thing on twitter it's at j cameron show if you need to reach out to me there you can there you there you go there you go how's everybody doing everybody all right good to be good to be here good to be Amidst a very, very fun and busy week, if you think about it. Um, Tomorrow morning, bright and early, we will make our way as a staff, or champ Will, over to uh, Tour of Duty. Get a look at some of the younger guys. Get a chance to to watch some of these new guys come in here and um, see what they got. At least uh, running, jumping. All that good stuff. I mean, of course, you don't learn anything all that much about who they are as football players during that, but you do get a glimpse for the first time. Some of these guys you've been anxious to see. Uh, we're all really excited. I could not have mentioned it um, you know, any more than I already have for spring football, one of the most anticipated spring football campaigns in a long, long time. And, and in some ways, I feel like it starts tomorrow with the tour of duty, and then Friday we have the luncheon where we get to talk to the coaches. Mike Norvell will address the assembled press. And, uh, you know, I think that will be greatly anticipated too because this is on the heels of that 10-win season. And it is really the first of the addresses that he'll make that centers around this upcoming year and not this past year. That is now more towards what we think of them as a top 15, top 10 team, probably preseason ranked the kind of campaign they're hoping to have and the anticipation of both the fans. But also you already saw with the too early, way too early top 25 picks that uh, you get a barrage of from the various websites that cover college football upon the conclusion of the bowl season, upon the conclusion of college football's playoff, Florida state was as well thought of as almost anybody, top three, top four in a couple of those polls, uh, top 15 in every one of them. So I guess in some ways you could say this is where it begins. This is the beginning of this season. You want to look at it this way we're done with last season. It is the beginning of this season. It's time to
2: get with the getting in terms of how we assess success and failure. It's no longer about the COVID restrictions and recruiting. It's no longer about the mess that was inherited due to the fact that two head coaches ago, it crashed and burned. And then one head coach ago, it was a gasoline truck that just ignited everything all the more we don't have to do that anymore it's kind of like when we talk about baseball and i'm so happy that we can move on from the family last name of the head coach discussion and we can go forward go forth and assess link jarrett as a normal yeah (laughs) an independent entity and storyline same thing now for florida state football you get your 10 wins awesome uh you you didn't get the wins over the ranked teams that you would have liked but that's okay. There's room for growth. The expectations are there. The retention is there. Now it's sink or swim. And let's assess this the way that we used to assess Florida State football seasons. Do you win enough games? That's going to be a lot of
1: fun. Speaking of baseball, tonight against USF Dickhauser Stadium, Mike Martin Field, 5 p.m. You've got a baseball game. That is right. Baseball game. Then you got three more of them this weekend. Florida Gulf Coast comes to town on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th. We're in March. Welcome, everybody, to March. It's a glorious time. This is where we get the great opportunity to spring forward and have extended daylight, and it feels a little bit like everybody's froggy, ready to be out of the house, ready to go. And You get opportunities because this is a baseball team that's fun to watch, and they're playing a lot of home games all in a row from tonight all the way through the 12th. So the beginning of this month through uh, up to the middle of this month, it's all home games for Forest State, followed by a real brief, uh, you know, trek over to Orlando and right back to House or stadium for a slate of games against BC, this whole, and then Florida, this whole month is home game central for Florida state and baseball. So if you want to get out to the ballpark to see this team and you want to be a part of what's going on there. And, and you've just thought, Hey, when will I get the opportunities? Well, you got like 20 of them between today and the
2: 20th of this month. Well, that's why last weekend's two out of three was critical because yeah. now there's a whole bunch of home games and, look, some of these teams might be surprises by the end of the year, but this was considered to be the meat of the schedule where you rack up the wins right now. But if you could start that whole process with taking two out of three from TCU, then you're going to put yourself in position where if you do what you're supposed to, there's going to be a lot more wins than losses on our record by the time we host Florida on the 21st of March. And that means that we could climb up into the rankings in the top 10, top 8, somewhere in there, and you're setting the tone for being able to host a regional or maybe have a top eight national seed, if you do enough in the back half of the schedule, which is absolutely brutal, it is replete with top 25 ball clubs. There's eight of them in the ACC. We play most of them That's for a great. weekend
1: series this year. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Swiss-Irish, you, Shane. Uh Now, before I circle back to... Uh, <laughs> before I circle back to... Florida State football should make note that the regular season finished up this past weekend. The ACC handed out their annual awards for women's basketball yesterday. and We certainly want to acknowledge Tanaya Latson, who has been unreal, named Rookie of the Year. Uh, Michaela T- uh, Timpson was named, uh, she's a sophomore, by the way, most improved player. But uh, back to uh, Tania, named to the All-ACC First Team, third place for Player of the Year. And if you look at her place nationally with the numbers top seven in every meaningful offensive category, you really realize what a special talent a true freshman is for Florida State. And the Noles finished the regular season, just so you know, 23-8, and 12-6 in the ACC. They're the fifth seed in this week's ACC tournament in Greensboro. That actually begins this afternoon uh, with the lower-seeded teams. That would not be FSU uh, in action. The Noles will open tomorrow, second-round games at 11 a.m., when they take on the winner of this afternoon's game between Wake Forest and Virginia.
2: I look forward to a day in which we get sick of hearing the name Birmingham for a host site of something, not Greensboro. You know, you're talking about, yeah, here we are on a Wednesday. The games have already started in Greensboro Coliseum. Mm -hmm. God bless. I mean, you know, with what's happened the last week and we get excited about how FSU is trying to advance the discussion and advance our place. Just the first time hearing Greensboro after that, I think, yeah, we're right. Board of
1: Trustees, Director Alford, you're it's right. It's time to go. It's Greensboro. My the, God. The reverberations of that still being felt, that, that conversation, the impetus for conversation that was caused by that very public uh, account of Florida State's displeasure and obvious desperation. I think certainly you, you, you could hear a man who is laying bare to everybody you needed to hear. This isn't going to work. We don't intend to sit here quietly and wait for something to play out in our favor. We are going to be proactive. And by doing that, it got people talking throughout the rest of this conference, but it got people talking throughout the SEC. It got people talking again in the Big Ten. And they were already chatty because they're looking very closely at what's going on with the Pac-12. And that's a, that's a negotiation that's supposed to be wrapped up as early as this week, if not, certainly by the end of next week. And if the Pac 12 isn't where they need to be, and it doesn't look real good right now, 50 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. We're going to give you 50 bucks cash. Uh, that's kind of the problem they have right now, what, which means what? We speak of reverber- reverberations. Well, if you're Washington, you're a brand that kind of matters. If you're Oregon, you certainly are, and you're going, you yeah, know, I don't think we want to be here. I think we may need to go. We may need to take that offer that's coming from the Big Ten here any second. And so everybody's restless, and you you further elevate tension. It's fine. I don't mean that in a bad way. Sometimes you want to de-escalate. Sometimes you want to escalate. Here it looks like we wanted to escalate. Uh, In this situation, I think, you know, you got a lot of people kind of looking around the room like, you with me? What are we going to do here? What's going to happen? And everybody's trying to get situated now. And I like that it hasn't died down. We're going to talk about it tonight on Warchant TV, 7 o'clock. You can tune in. I look forward to it. Uh, I did uh, mention that David Hale is going to join us. I think we have another guest. Is that right? Uh, yeah, Matt Connolly from, yeah, from On 3 Clemson. Yes. Yeah, Clemson. so we'll have a Clemson uh, beat reporter joining us as well and, and and have him in and to talk about it from their standpoint. Uh, Ira and Gene Williams, uh, Ira Shafel, Gene Williams, going to be on board with me, I'll host, and we'll have a good conversation with those gentlemen about this situation. That's tonight at 7 o'clock. And, and, and again, it's not going to die down. You can only imagine after we said what we did earlier this week and, of course, on the heels of those comments, if if you got people on the inside, you got sources, or you got people in close proximity uh, to to those in charge, you're going to hear back from those people uh, about intent, what was said, what wasn't said, clarification on certain issues, all those things. It's been a busy week. This is a
2: high-stakes game, and we all know that because Florida State is trying to get itself into a position where it can operate at least relatively equal on equal footing with some of the other power players in the country. We don't have that in terms of an alumni base. They're always a generation ahead. So when it comes to endowments and and such, we're not going to be toe-to-toe. But if your TV disbursement is toe-to-toe, then watch out. Watch out what we can do. The fun part here, and, and what I think everybody involved knows when it comes to the board of trustees, the athletic department in general, this is a legacy maker or breaker. You have now gone all in on this conversation about getting us out of the ACC and getting us to one of the power two. If you do it, your legacy is secure. No matter what else happens, you were the member of an insert athletic department or board member. You are the person who got us where we needed to go and got us off the sinking ship. If it doesn't work out that way, and five years from now we pay a settlement check that's upwards of $500, $600 million to get out of the ACC, then this was, you know, not so hot. It was
1: was a moment where we barked, but we couldn't bite. You know, one of the things that gets, one of the things I've noticed, how about that, is that when folks that are not connected to Florida State or aren't connected to Clemson and there is speculation that those two schools are partnered in this endeavor, and I think most assuredly they are, if not stated publicly, certainly behind the scenes. I don't think Florida State goes it alone is my point. I don't think Michael Alford comes out with these statements if he doesn't have an alliance with some other teams in this league, at least one in the form of Clemson. Uh, I think he probably has uh, some other connections within this conference that feels very similarly. But one of the things that I've noticed is that when it's assessed by other media members from afar who don't have connections, and that's fine, That's you, you want that. You want people away from it who aren't as close sometimes to comment on it as well. I think one of the things that is missed out on, because this is where uh, a pride or a connection would kick in and it would make you keenly aware of some very important numbers as opposed to just in passing, you've read them before and they didn't necessarily stick with you indelibly, is they tend to say things like, well, what's Florida State going to do? What's Clemson going to do? They're bent over a barrel. The ACC is in, uh, no, is under no pressure to move to appease these two universities who are expressing their displeasure. Well, look, man, that, that ignores the fact that Florida State is one of the most significant brands in all of college football, period. It's not up for debate. It's a fact. Florida State is a true asset to whoever it is that they play, whose banner they play under, whether that's the SEC, the Big Ten, in this conversation. Certainly they're an asset to the ACC, the biggest asset to the ACC, although not treated as such um, or recognized as such. That you, you can't, in the world in which eyes to sets matters more than geography, And the ability to negotiate huge sums of money with television contracts, not just the ones that are happening now, but the ones that will happen in three and four years or five to seven years or 10 years. Florida State does have leverage in that regard because they're letting the world know they're available. They'd like like you to know that, hey, you know, I know we dated so-and-so for a very long time, but that is fractured and it is over. We're still... Somewhat tacitly, you know, aligned, but we, we, we're, we'd be happy to listen. You want to go out to dinner? Let's have a conversation. They're putting that out there because they want the SEC and they want the Big Ten and they want ESPN and all the other power players to have a conversation about what do we do with Florida State because they matter. They're not going to have the conversation, what do we do with Wake Forest? Excuse me, Bob, you called me to ask what we're going to do with Wake Forest? Nothing. Have a good day. I'm busy. Click. That's how this works. But when you call and ask about Clemson, what are we going to do with Clemson? Well, if you're the SEC, you say, we don't have to have them and that's true. But do we want the Big 10 to get them? Probably not. What about Florida State? Right. Right. We don't have to have them, but do we want the Big 10 to make a play at them? So you're trying to get the conversation started and you're you're furthering the conversation. You're expediting this. Yeah, the thing is I don't think the Big 10
2: can instigate a process by which ESPN feels pressure. I think the only way the Big Ten can get involved is if the ACC finds the votes to just disband. Well, and that that also might be be something they're doing. That has to be the first play because, again, the, the, the grant of rights, I'm more concerned about the grant of rights from ESPN's perspective, not the ACC's perspective. And it's a lot easier for ESPN to move us from one banner, as you put it, to another banner. Yeah. Because they own the rights anyway. This is what the ACC... ESPN pays the ACC for the rights. So I care more about what they think than I... Screw the ACC. What does the four-letter network think? Because we're tied to them. Now, if we were a free agent, I wouldn't give a damn what ESPN thinks. Highest bidder. To the highest bidder we go. But I don't know that we can skip a step there and have the Big Ten offer, let's just say, Clemson and Florida State a place. I, I don't think you can go that far. That's where I think the grant of rights kicks back in and it becomes a big hurdle. Now, if you can find the votes to call it a day as a conference, and maybe that's what they're trying to court right now. I mean, if you think about it, Miami's athletic director used to be Clemson's athletic director, so you would think that the philosophy falls in line with Florida State and Clemson. Boom, that's three. North Carolina, I would think, would be four. From there, Virginia might be aligned with the Big Ten in terms of their presentation. Yes, yes, reputation also offers a little bit more of a, a market to that part of the country for the Big Ten. Five, Louisville was actually I think number three on the list that Alford presented, so that might work for the Big Twelve. Oh, six. sure, sure. You're getting closer, but I think the only way that we go to the Big is if we said no moss to the ACC and we had the votes to do that first. That's just open speculation, but I don't know if you can skip a step and automatically go to Fox when you have an ACC slash ESPN grant of rights.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't. And by the way, I don't believe Florida State ends up in the Big Ten either. I mean, long term, I don't think that's how this goes it's easy to come up with, it's pretty easy to come up with seven to eight teams to join Florida State in terms of everybody trying to find a home if they believe dissolvement is inevitable. You know, it's one thing where you're you're having the conversation suggesting that, well, what are you going to do? Well, if you're trying to rattle the cages and let people know that you intend to leave and that that your alignment with Clemson means two of you are intending to leave and football drives the bus at 80% of the revenue and those are the two preeminent forces for television markets in this conference and you know those two are as good as gone and they're already making noise about it in 2023 publicly you you might say to yourself if you're one of those other teams well we're in no hurry i mean they're not able to leave here because of granted rights to 2036 but you would also be sticking your head in the sand to think that that anybody's going to sit around and wait till 2036 they're not they're they're going to make this I mean, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. They're going to make this exceedingly difficult. They're only just beginning to do that. This is, this is a group that's going to be hard at work to try to muck things up, okay, and, and make this as uncomfortable as possible for everybody. And so it's at that point that I would say you, you may, it would might serve your best interest to get out in front of it. That this conference, it, it, it's, it's going to go the way of the Dodo, our conversation before. They're dead and they don't even know it is what you said. That's absolutely right. They're dead and they don't even know it. But I think they do. I think they do. It's everybody trying to position themselves. And what are their timelines for that? Might be different than ours. Might be different than that. They don't feel the same pressing need that we do just now because they know they're not going to be picked up by one of these super conferences.
2: Correct. There's a couple of things at play here. Number one, it's open speculation according to third-party sources from somewhere different in the country, but I see this conversation that Oregon and Washington might be able to join the Big Ten for a reduced payout. Don't like that. Don't like setting that precedent when we're looking for a home because I don't want to join a power two based upon the precedent of them going and plucking somebody from a different corner of the country and saying you get 80% of what everybody else gets. I don't want to be that team. It'll be more than we get now, but no, no, let's no, not no. go down that I don't road. not that either, yeah. The thing I'd say is, could you find eight institutions currently in the ACC, if if eight is the number to to get the votes? And I think we're all assuming that that's the magic number is the majority. It is, yeah. No, that's. Okay. So you need eight votes. Can you find eight institutions that are going to make more money next year in a different conference than they would today? I think you could. Miami, Louisville,
1: North Carolina, Virginia, Florida State, Clemson. Six. We need two more. Mm-hmm. All right, NC State and Virginia Tech. We're done.
2: Yeah, I think that would be a natural fit for the what's left of the Big 12. Correct. To patch it. Hell, throw in Pitt for that matter. Well, patchwork, yes, patchwork, with Pitt, West Virginia, you Correct. can restore that rivalry. Correct. But those institutions would all, in theory, make more money from the Big 12, newly construed as it is, than they would at present day from the ACC. Yes, they would. Their
1: contract is already more per team than what the ACC
2: has. If that's the case, then perhaps you're closer. Than, than not to getting enough people to say, you know what, it's a better deal for me. I might as well do this. This place is, is going bye-bye anyway. Could be.
1: Well, the 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 fun of, uh, uh, of this, be, listen, if Florida State has already, and we've had a lot of fun with this in the past, and I love this. If you look at where we end up, say the SEC East, and we talk about the path to championships becoming much more difficult because of an exceedingly difficult league that has real depth to it. And that's fine. But Florida State has won with less forever. Now you're going to give us the same as everybody else that is playing big boy football. And given where we are geographically, I feel real good that we'll win our fair share of championships if operating at peak efficiency. I'm certainly not overly concerned that we wouldn't be able to compete And that, let's say, the SEC East, Florida State would be right there with, and they have been, uh, even without those funds. And even without some of that cachet, uh, they would be able to compete in the not-too-distant future with the Georgia. They already are better than Florida. And so you would go from there and then, what, Tennessee? Yes, I get it. Right. But that's great. Now, everywhere you look, there is an impassioned fan base with great facilities and longstanding traditions and investments to play football at the highest level. Great. We're all on the same footing then. And we're all taking in the same amount of money from the television contract. So we're all able to play big boy football and our university is already committed to that. So we're good to go.
2: Well, and there's another layer of anxiety about this for people like you and me who are citizens of the city of Tallahassee. You know, what is better for this market, this city that we live in than being in the SEC? When you talk about what you can do with rival fan bases or non-rival fan bases that just happen to be in your division, they travel like crazy. They're nuts. Good. Good. You think the hotel minimums are expensive now? Wait until we get into the SEC. Those things are going to go up. And you think about all the money that's brought into the restaurants, the fact that Doak will be able to raise ticket prices because there's going to be demand from the other side. Not Boston College bringing down 14 people. You're going to have a a Mississippi State and an Ole Miss still bringing in people and everywhere in between there and here. Auburn, Alabama, LSU. I mean, they're all going to come here in droves. It just makes everything better from a local citizen standpoint as well. The city of Tallahassee would love it if it was SEC over Big Ten, and I don't think it's remotely close. You get a couple of big fan bases to come down here as it cools off for them, in, in Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan. But is Indiana making that trip? No. A lot of others. Well, are not I don't making need that Indiana trip. to make that trip. They can suck. No, but it I'm saying ass. the the
1: equivalent of Indiana in the SEC is making that trip. Yeah. No, no that is true. Um, I, I, again i don't maybe feel as passionately about the sec in terms of us ending up there for certain as some others do i think it's a natural fit quite obviously we're in the footprint it makes the most amount of sense and you're right the matchups on a weekly basis we would be simply fantastic for the most part i wouldn't i wouldn't cry myself to sleep if we ended up in the big 10 i i mean the idea of playing um you know whether it be in iowa or in Nebraska, or an, you know, an Ohio State, uh, a Michigan, a Michigan State. I mean, there, there are plenty of programs that I'd be like, this is an awful lot of fun for us to do. Right. USC, UCLA. I mean, sure. goodness gracious. And if yeah. they keep adding, yeah. we could have a coast-to-coast situation on our hands here with a little Washington, Oregon for that ass, and I'd be all right with all of that. I'd be all right with all of that. I guess the overriding point is, as long as it's not here, as long as it's not the ACC because this conference ain't going to make it and we can't compete to win anything if what we're projected to make compared to what they're projected to make in the SEC and the Big Ten uh, is, is our future in the next two to three years, it is over. Something quickly to ponder on. I know we've gone long
2: here, but uh, with these remarks being made publicly, and I don't think they're the last of their kind from Florida State side of things, no. how do you feel about the officiating we're going to get this fall in the ACC?
1: Yeah, we brought that up yesterday. I thought, could it get worse? I mean, could it get any worse? Well, they, Perhaps. Could, they could be
2: incompetent and malicious at the same time. That's one hell of a deadly combo. Yeah. I, <laughs> what do you say? A ninth holding, huh? Ninth holding call. <laughs> oh, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I can't imagine we're going to be cut any breaks. But we never were. And I'm not conspiratorial.
2: I think that guy from Boston College a couple of years ago was just straight up stone cold stutter <laughs> yeah. one
1: of our players. <laughs> oh man. You have to make it so that it's overwhelmingly so. Throughout the 90s Florida State was so much better than every team they faced in this conference that it didn't matter that the penalty disparity was 15 to 2, 17 to 4. You're like, eh, we won 58 to 3 instead of 77 to 3 today. We all know what this should have been." Jeff Cameron, show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se, and I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D And five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash jcs. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash jcs. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. athleticgreens.com jcs.
2: all I need is a little touch, and we the
1: call. Feels like uh, this is perfect for the next three months of uh, concert going that we engage in. Tom, as uh, <laughs> at least the choice of bumper there. We've got like five lined up, and for four of those days, they're with you. That's right. It's going to be a good time. It is. Taking the golf breeze. Look very much in, uh, forward to it. We're going to have a blast. Uh, Robert writes, in honor of spring football, how about some way-too-early over-unders? FSU, 39 points per game. JT, 3,700 passing yards. Johnny Wilson, 9.5 touchdowns. Hakeem, 15.5 receptions. Jaheim Bell, uh, 650 total scrimmage yardage. College game day coverage, two and a half years left in the ACC. Uh, uh, two and a half years left in the ACC, three and a half. Woo! That's kind of fun, man. Thanks, Robert. Well, <clears throat> let's go with the over on 39 and a half, wow. 39 points per game. All right. So, Here's the thing. It's skewed by the amount of times we're going to drop 50-plus on some of these terrible teams on the schedule. That's how anybody gets there, though. That is true. And, and, like, so let's just say you score 27 against LSU or 31, you know, well below 40, well below 39. Um, fine. What what are you going to drop on, you know, BC? What are you going to drop on some of these teams that are just— yep. Southern Miss, Virginia Tech, Northern Alabama, Syracuse. Like you can just keep going. There's going to mm-hmm. be there're going to be some big number days out there that'll help offset that. So I like the number that you put Miami. Or... <laughs> I like the number you put you put out there. 3700 yards. What did JT pass for this year? What was that number? I'm forgetting what the totals were there. He did a lot of focusing on the passing game this past year because He had a lot of opportunities to just sit back in the pocket. We protected him, and also that receiving core was better. 3,200. Yeah, I'm going to go over 3,700.
2: Yeah, I would agree because Mm -hmm. he had a lot of second halves off, and he had one off that he didn't want against Louisville as well.
1: So that's basically in, what do you think, nine games worth of football? Yeah, no, I think he goes over. He has more options here. The tight end room alone helps change things. You've got a depth of running back, better depth on the offensive line. Uh, and, and you had a better offensive line last year than you did the previous year. So his, I, I think his, he projects, you know, projects, uh, the trajectory projects above and beyond where he was last year. If I could find a way to spit out the words. Uh, and then from there, you look at Johnny Wilson, nine and a half touchdowns, well, you know, red zone target for sure. And then i, I that's
2: a tough, a lot of touchdowns. I think those touchdowns actually would have to come on longer plays because you're going to be so gifted. Well, and you, have, you have three or
1: four guys to throw the ball to yeah. that are over six, five. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go under nine and a half touchdowns. I'm going to go over for Hakeem 15 and a half receptions. Yeah. That's because of the blowout factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Jaheen Bell, 650 total scrimmage yards. It's a good number. Well, here's the problem. Unlike when he was at South Carolina, he's going to get zero carries here. Why would you hand him the ball? Right,
2: uh, except for maybe inside, goal to go. But that's not going to rack up more than, what, 50 yards for the year?
1: I mean, come on. Yeah, it's, it's, I know he's a Swiss Army knife, but you're not going to use him to, to run the ball in the same way that they did at South Carolina. You, you shouldn't. You have too many running backs to do that with and a quarterback capable of running the ball as well. I'm going to go under 650 total scrimmage yards. There are other tight ends in this group that are also going to see the ball. Biscuit was good last year, especially in the second half of the season. He's only going to get better. And then we'll see what Morlock is. But I have a feeling he's going to play quite a bit too. And then you have some other guys that when I asked Alex Atkins about it last week, he was quick to point out. You know, he he now he brought up Jackson West. But I just don't... Can we trust you, Jackson? Are you going to be healthy for the first time ever?
2: Well, look at this.
1: Well, I'm about tired of it. Tough Love Cameron meets
2: Jackson West.
1: Well, I never thought I'd have to employ Tough Love Cameron to rally the troop, whip up the ponies, and get Jackson West to stay out on the damn field. Let's go. Let's go. Now's the time. You've had all this. You've had two-plus years to lift the weights. Put on the weight. Let's go. Get healthy. Uh, And then uh, there's your guy that's going to be a linebacker that you like. The other tight end. I never remember his name.
2: Yeah, Brian Courtney. Yeah, I never remember. You'll remember his name when he's a linebacker, Uh, I guess. I guess. Maybe.
1: Because he's not going to get on the field with all these tight ends. So he needs to switch. make the switch. Let's go. Let's see it through. Could
2: there be real linebacker depth this year? No. I found it interesting with the Omar Graham comment that Adam Fuller made. If that's the case. You
1: think they're rooting for that? That's just what that is? They could could
2: be rooting for it. But what if they're right? If they're right, then Blake Nicholson is another rotational piece, and that, that would be four. And that's almost like a two deep. When you only have two linebackers out there on the field at once, I don't know. That math seems about right. And then there's Lundy in there somewhere.
1: Well. Yeah. I mean, if, we're, if you're right where you need to be, if you have the kind of talent that we need to have to win championships, he's not part of a rotation. Um, and that's 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 how we start gauging these things. As you start looking at guys that do get a lot of reps. You're not dogging them personally. You're just saying, if this program is operating at peak efficiency, does a guy like that get that many reps? Not really. But we're not there, so you're right. He does belong in the rotation. He, he certainly does. 100 proof football rights. Can we quit the stadium capacity reduction plans? Now we are already smaller than South Carolina and are about the same as Missouri's. I don't know, man. I don't think we're going back to a time where 90,000 is realistic anymore at these stadiums. <gasps> Not for most of them. It's also difficult to get here. <laughs> Although it's getting
2: better with well, jet blue, buddy. Okay. I guess incrementally. Yeah. Uh, which conference would be better for Florida State and Tallahassee Airport? Probably the Big Ten. Big Ten would be. Big Ten. Yeah, they would demand that we get it together, finally. Would that push the Big Ten argument or or your opinion squarely to the side of the Big Ten because it would have a better chance of improving the airport?
1: As much as this has been my pet cause for... Going on 20 years on the air here with, uh, well, I've done 23 years on the air, but I've only really been hammering the airport for about 20 of those years. I would say that, uh, no, I still would rather us end up in the SEC, okay. I think. I agree. It would be an ancillary benefit and a big one if, in fact, that, that's the way it went down, but no. Um, <laughs> look at this. God bless the Big Ten. Our airport's so much better.
2: Well, when we're playing for SEC championships, I mean,
1: we have 84 flights to Atlanta, so there you go. Pick one. I don't – again, I would not – back to the stadium situation. Remember, it was just two years ago where I was sitting there reading an article and brought it to everybody's attention that Alabama – and I don't know if you guys have noticed the last decade plus that Alabama's been a pretty consistently good football program. Had a season – what was it, two years ago, three years ago that they didn't sell out every game? Maybe maybe on paper they did, but, oh, you know, the camera caught the empty seats. It's tough, man. Oh, I love it. I love it. You think that guy would have thought better of wearing flip-flops given his level of desperation? Like, if you're running into the stadium to get a football sign for your man cave and you're fat and old, You've got to think these things through. I'm fat. I'm old. I care deeply about a fake football getting signed by Nick Saban. I need to get more towards the front of the line because time is also precious to me. I can't wear these flip-flops. I I love it. I never like to take these flip-flops off, but I'm going to have to don some socks and shoes. They've got a bottle opener (laughs) on the bottom of them, and I do love that about them. I got to don some socks and shoes here, everybody. Also, I know we got to take a break because we went long in number one, but I'm drawing the line here. I get that America's fat and lazy, but you cannot get to a place now where the main selling point for an entire brand of shoes is that you don't have to bend over to put them on, and that is what Skechers has done. They have told the world, we get it, you're fat, you're pathetic, and you're lazier than ever, but don't worry. We got you covered. You don't ever have to bend over again. Our shoes let you just slide right in with our patented heel that's flexible in a way that no other manufacturer has ever come up with. These shoes are for you, Mr. Diabetes. Just slide your foot on in there, fat ass. You'll never bend over again. Skechers. The Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War
0: Chant TV.
1: You asked me a question yesterday, which was the position battle you're most excited to lay eyes on as we start spring, and that's a hard question to answer, and that's a really cool thing to think about and to contemplate. Like, hmm, what is it I want to see? What, what is the group that I'm most closely paying attention to as it pertains to competition? And I guess the answer has to be, one of two. It, it's, it's either the offensive line with the influx of players that we got in the transfer portal with the playing experience and you know high expectations, or it's still the secondary, Tom. It's still the secondary because we have unanswered questions at almost every position in the secondary. When you don't know who's going to be the starter at any one of those positions, other than it's a safe bet barring a setback that Shaheen Brown's going to play, because you had the defensive coordinator on the Jeff Cameron show talk about how excited he is and how high the expectations are for him. I mean, it doesn't feel like any of the other jobs are locked in. You know, I think we know the candidates to play, but we talk about divvying up the reps and, you know, you have you have a corner from a year ago that's getting moved to safety. You have a corner that's being moved inside to be a nickel back, a nickel corner. And, and, and he's a guy that uh, I thought was going to be maybe a lockdown corner at some point uh, on the outside. And, and, and so it's, it's fascinating. I just think that there are plenty of names. We know Renato green. We know his Thomas. We know all the guys that are going to be involved. Keem dent, but I don't think we're, we're real sure about any one of those guys being the, the one who would garner the most amount of reps. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think you got, Central Cypress and Shaheen Brown as the leading rep count getters, which is really interesting considering that you have a lot of more experienced players that are going to be vying for reps themselves. Yeah. The offensive line is the answer to me. That's the one. Yeah, me too. Just because you could see any number of combinations. And the thing I love about the way that they run practice is when they go head to head in the trenches, they go for period after period. And there are some combo drills that I haven't paid attention to as much in the past couple of camps and, and day-to-day practice because you know we'd have five and a half starters that we liked last year and they would be held out at times because they knew that, look, let's win the war, not win today's battle. So Dylan Gibbons didn't get a whole lot of run in those situations where maybe they backed off Robert Scott at times. Now there's no waiting. There's no holding back. When you have, according to Alex Atkins, upwards of a dozen guys yeah, that can compete guys, yeah, yeah. for the starting job, you can't be held out. There's no reason to. So you keep battling, you cross-train, and then the the quality of work that you're going to get day-to-day in practice is very high because of how deep the defensive line is, especially in the interior of it. So as we're sorting out this good problem that we have on the offensive line, you're getting good tape. You're getting a good idea of what you have because the matchups are going to be high quality going back and forth. That's what a real football
1: program is all about. It's why when we sit here and we say the names aloud and realize that any one of them could play in any number of spots, right? So you would you would say something like uh, Bless Harris or Darius Washington, uh, Byers, uh, Demetri Emanuel. I don't know. Is he going to be on the team? He might be. Yeah, Could, um, be. could be. We don't know. Maurice Smith, Casey Roddick. Uh, the Jones kid that came over from Auburn. Andre Jones. Yeah. Armella. Rob, yep. uh, Robert Scott. Uh, and then I throw in all the time because I think he's got a chance to win a job. Estes. Um, I don't know. Is Thomas Schrader finally healthy? Because if he is, he's a, he's a candidate uh, to maybe make. That's a lot of guys. Alex Atkins brought up Daughtry Richardson. A Jamie lot of Earling,
0: guys,
2: yeah. Kanaya Charlton. The freshman Lucas Simmons, who is on campus for this camp, which is very important for speeding up that process. What if he's just a lockdown right tackle this early in his career? Left might be a little too much, but he's got all the basics down that he can be a good right tackle for you. That changes the way you shuffle the other four positions. It's just this is a puzzle that constantly changes in a good way for the offensive line. So I have to imagine that even if we see, for example, two days in a row when they go full contact or somebody kicking ass at left guard, they might still move him because he might be better suited for right guard if one of your tackles loses out that you think is going to start, and then you shift that guy inside like a Robert Scott. It's just, I think the shuffling will continue, and that's what makes it intriguing to me. With corner and defensive back in general, I think they're going to find some roles for guys quickly, and then it's going to be set, and these are where they, these guys need to be. Offensive line is going to be fluid all the way into the season, I think.
1: We won't know, and, and, and I think it's important to reiterate this. None of this may be solved. Just yet, because again, Alex Atkins was quick to stress, and we also know that the messaging from the head coach is parroted and executed perfectly in lockstep with what he wants done and and that's where we've been really pleased with this staff is they're very consistent in what the goals are, what the statements are, the way they go about teaching, the way they go about molding and preparing teams and preparing players and segment groups this they they this is about you know. Teaching. A lot of this is about teaching in the spring and the fundamentals of what you're doing. They may not have answers at the end of the spring. We may have opinions, and I'm sure we will, but they may not have answers because they don't have to. That's for the fall. And that's the other thing is
2: development and growth happens. We, we looked at last spring, yeah. and, and this is something with when I do trench reports, I'll always caution on the site side of things on warchant.com. Last year, they would run drills that are very basic for the offensive line. It's about chemistry, passing things off, dealing with twists and stunts and mixed up fronts. How are you going to handle it? It's almost like a mental challenge as much as, much as it is a physical challenge. And they won nary a rep. I mean, every day that they went through these, these periods, the offensive line would win one out of ten reps. And that one might be a little generous. I remember talking to a colleague of ours saying, is it designed to fail this much? Yeah. And he said, I don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think so. And it's not by design. Right. This is just an ass-kicking. Right. Yeah. yeah. By, by the fall, week two of camp, you saw the offensive line winning drills. And then... It, we're it's coming th- along! For every 10, they'd win six. And you'd go, oh my God, yeah. look at this. Yeah, yeah So yeah. this is just one point in time that we're measuring, and they can be better than what you see over the next you know, five weeks in spring camp.
1: Jeff, now that you've seen Cocaine Bear, will you go see Meth Gator? If they make it, I will. James B., I will. Starring Ric Flair. He's still alive. He is. Every now and then you need to remind yourself that Ric Flair is still living. When you think about the fragility of life and death, remember, it's not as fragile as you think. Ric Flair is amongst us. A lot of other folks. Keith Richards, still here. Still here, despite his best efforts.
2: Swiss Irish raises a good point. I think you have to cast Jim McAwain. <laughs> if there's a
1: gator or a shark involved, you gotta cast him. Old Jim. Old Jim. He should have known they would check those emails. You can't float that out there. You can't tell people that you were threatened with death via email. Jim, why do we suck? Well, I have death threats. Can we look at your computer? We need to take charge of a very serious situation. If people are threatening your life over wins and losses, Jim, we need to know about it. Well, I deleted it. Well, Jim, please understand. There are ways in which to retrieve deleted items, I assure you. There if, are? If you, if you didn't know that, we have a bigger problem on our hands here, which might help explain the W's and L's. But I mean, come <laughs> on. Yeah, that, was, that had to have been a bad moment. You want the computer? I do. Okay. Guys, I'm submitting my resignation. (laughs) Please, can we work something out? No. No, I don't want to work anything out, Jim. Give me your computer. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with.